John chapter 15 verse 7 says this If you remain in me and my words remain in you ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you and then in verse uh, 16 you did not choose me but I chose you and appointed you to go so that you might go and bear fruit fruit that will last and so that whatever you ask in my name the Father will give you these two amazing promises from Jesus ask ask in my name and the Father will give you and the other one in verse 7 ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you I think when we come to the Bible, it's very easy to kind of judge the scriptures and judge the word of God by our experience. Uh, and we can say, well, I've got stories, testimonies, I've got prayers that I've prayed, things that I wish for, and I haven't seen it happen the way I would have liked, in the way I wanted, and the time I would have liked to see it. And so we, we can kind of conclude from, the, from our experience, well, Jesus didn't really mean these verses. And so we kind of skip over those because they're slightly uncomfortable. Because we think, my experience says, it can't be that. It can't really be asking for whatever I wish, and it will be done for me. So I won't um, look at those verses. I'll conclude from my experience, well, that can't be what Jesus really meant but it is what Jesus really meant and so the question is how do we navigate these verses, how do they actually work out in practice because it's clear that they don't mean this, if I were to say right now I wish for a, a Porsche, it's not going to suddenly appear in the room so how do these verses actually work out the whole chapter 15 is really about relationship. It's really about an abiding connection and intimacy with Christ Jesus. I'm the vine, you're a branch. He says in other places, if you make your home, my word makes its home in your heart, if you obey me. There's a whole thing about connection, intimacy, quiet trust, believing God, that sits as the foundation of these verses. That Jesus' goal for you and for me is to mature us to a place of connection and intimacy. That's his whole goal for you and I, is that we know what it is to walk with him, to know his presence, to know his love, to know his heart, to know his goodness, that he might form in us radical, quiet trust in his goodness. That's his heart for you and me. His heart for you and me is that we would be absolutely devoted to his stuff. That's his heart. And next week we'll consider a little bit more about asking for whatever we wish and dreaming with God and being childlike and the fact that God loves the fact that we have thoughts and ideas and passions. But it starts on a foundation of we are devoted to his stuff. We're actually devoted to the interests of Jesus in the earth. That's why that declaration is so powerful. We want to co-labor with heaven to see Jesus get his full reward. That, that these verses 
of asking for whatever we wish that they sit on a foundation that Jesus wants us to be abundantly fruitful because he loves us and because he wants us to show off the Father. That's the foundation. That he wants us to be captivated by his ways. Captivated by the priorities of Jesus. Captivated by the interests of Jesus in the earth. And ultimately captivated by Jesus himself. That's God's great goal for us. The psalmist says, delight yourself in the Lord, foundation, and he will give you the desires of your heart. It sits on this foundation of, my chief delight is to glorify God by enjoying God. That's what hedonism is. A hedonist is a pleasure seeker. And we're called to be Christian hedonists, to use the words of John Piper, to be finding our greatest joy and pleasure in God himself. And so this invitation to ask for whatever we wish sits on a foundation of, I want you, I want to delight in you, I want to be satisfied with you, I want to be a hedonist after you. That's the foundation of these in, this incredible invitation. And we see in the life of Jesus throughout the Gospels, Jesus living this kind of relationship with the Father of dynamic moments of Jesus getting everything he wished. There's a sense in which he wants to raise Lazarus and there's this interaction with the Father, hearing the Father, he's delighting in the Father, he's intimate with the Father, he's connected with the Father. And he lives from the Father's voice. And so he's living from his voice. And then he's praying and speaking and declaring and activating what he knows is on the Father's heart. That's why Jesus can say to the crippled, reach out your hand and his hand is healed. That's why Jesus can stand outside the tomb of Lazarus and say, Lazarus, come forth and be raised from the dead. That's why Jesus can go to a little girl who's sick and just raise her up. That's why Jesus can say to the centurion... Your servant has been made well. So these are all interactive moments because Jesus is walking with the Father. Jesus is intimate with the Father. Jesus is delighting in the Father. Jesus is living from the voice of the Father. He knows what to do. He knows what to pray because it's all coming out of relationship with the Father. So we see that with Jesus, he knows what to pray. He knows what to ask for. And whatever he asks for, whatever he needs, he gets and it's relationship. Remarkable stories in the Gospels. The wonderful story when Jesus says to Peter, we're going to pay the temple tax, now go and fish. And in a fish's mouth you're going to find the money that will pay both your taxes and my taxes. He's, he, he, there's this interaction with the Father. Whatever he wishes, whatever he's thinking, can you see that? It's coming out of relationship. And that's what Jesus is saying he wants to mature us to, that place where we know what's on his heart. We love his stuff. We're interested in his interests in the earth more than anything. And ultimately, we want him more than anything. And so in this place, we know what to pray. We know what to wish for. We know what to ask. We know what to release from heaven. We, we know what the Father's will is in each situation. So that actually our confidence and our boldness is relational. We've caught the heart of God. 
So, a crucial part of this foundation then is living according to the reality of God. Jesus says you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Another way to say truth is reality. So it can be the literal translation of truth is what's the reality of heaven? What's the reality of the Father? What does, how does God see reality? So actually, part's foundation is we're living according to the reality or the culture of heaven, the culture, the lived out behaviour of God. And so that because we're living out of a culture and the reality of God and how God sees things, God is love. Jesus says, I've not come that the world will serve me, I've come as a servant to the world when he washes their feet. And so the reality of heaven, the truth of heaven that undergirds this call to ask for whatever we wish is that the answers to the things we're praying for are ultimately not for us. That we're praying things to the Father and asking him for things and whatever we wish, not because we want it to do something to us and devour it for us, but because we want to nourish and feed other people with the answers. That Jesus says, I want you to be fruitful. You didn't choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go, that you might bear, might go and bear much fruit, fruit that will last, so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. So prayer and fruitfulness go together. Because he wants us to be fruitful, because he wants to nourish the world with the fruit that we bear. So this asking for whatever we wish is not a blank check to have loads of opportunities and power and possessions so that they nourish us is that so that we would glorify him with the fruit that we bear that's another part of the foundation that Jesus says my command is this love each other as I have loved you how does Jesus love he gives himself he pours himself out that's how Jesus loved he he took the posture of a servant and washed their feet he became the, uh, uh, the, the he became the one they criticised the Pharisees because of his association with people they called the sinners. He gave himself not to get a reputation, but because he wanted to to love the world. And so this invitation to ask then is: I'm in love with God. I'm in love with His purposes in the earth. I'm in love with his stuff. I'm in love with the, the thing of Jesus getting what he paid for, his reward. And I, I'm then asking God, make me fruitful so that I can nourish and feed the world. You see, this is the foundation of it. So it's not that we devour it for ourselves. And when we feel that when we're asking for things not simply for ourselves, but to be a blessing then the blessing won't crush us. Can you see a foundation that says, I, I, I'm asking you for authority and breakthroughs and wisdom and solutions because I want to have an identity that is found in those things. Those things can crush us. Can you see that if I'm asking because I, I want to be appearing spiritual, or wise, or mature, I'm wanting it for my own identity, Jesus is saying that kind of foundation can crush you. But when it's for other people, 
that we might bless them. It gives us the capacity to have courage that we can inherit our inheritance and steward it really, really well. Jesus is looking for mature hearts that can steward blessing incredibly well. So our first identity is, I'm a much-loved son. I'm a much-loved daughter of the king. My identity is not the perception of people, whether they think I'm spiritual or mature or have answers. No, my identity is I'm loved. And that posture positions us to be abundantly fruitful. So this relationship also with him protects us from distorting the invitation to ask for whatever we wish into entitlement. So our core value of our heart then is I quietly trust you. I trust you to work it all together for good. I trust your wisdom. I trust your love. I trust your timing. I trust your methods. I trust the way you work and how you do things. I'm not taking this invitation to ask for whatever I wish into entitlement where I not only ask for whatever I wish, I also tell you how I want you to do it and when I want you to do it. That's a distortion of the invitation to ask for whatever you wish. It's not coming to God and saying, I really need a breakthrough here, Father, I know it's on your heart, and then dictating to God how the the pace of it, becoming a consultant to God. We're not his consultants on the earth. He's not coming to us to consult with us. He is God. We don't get to control God. We don't get to tell him how to work it out and how to do it. We don't get to come to God and say, this is what I can imagine happening and this is how I can imagine it happening. Now go off, God, and do it the way I'm imagining because I would make a better God than you. That's not what Jesus is talking about here. We're not his consultants. And Jesus perfectly models this in the Garden of Gethsemane where he's looking at Jerusalem and he's looking at the cross and he's looking at the torture and the torment that's going to come and he's looking at the brutality of the execution he's facing and he asks the father can this cup pass me by is there another way is there a way to avoid the suffering and the pain of the cross and then he says but not my will be done but yours And so in that moment, Jesus is showing you, I've got a wish. (laughs) I I would at this moment long that I could somehow get out of the suffering of the cross. If you know that Jesus is fully man and fully God. His dripping sweats the blood. He's in turmoil and torment in the garden. His friends are asleep. They are not supporting him. He is all alone in his deepest and darkest moment. And he is genuinely tempted by the idea, I wish there was another way other than the cross. 
and yet then he turns and says, not my will. And I think that's the way we're to come to the Father. There are things I'm longing for, there are dreams I have, there are things I would love to see happen, I wish to see happen, but I'm entrusting the whole thing to you. I'm not going to tell you how to do it. I'm not going to set the pace for you. I'm not going to tell you the method. Because when we do that, we quench the joy that Jesus says is available here. He says there's overflowing joy available. There's overflowing joy available. He says it in verse 11. I have told you this, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. God's goal for you is complete, overflowing joy. That's his goal for you. Rivers of joy springing up and overflowing. And Romans says that we overflow with joy in the Holy Spirit in believing. In the moment we say, I choose to believe you, God. I choose to believe that you are good in this. I choose to worship you in the midst of this. I choose to worship you in the midst of this mystery where it hasn't worked out the way I would have liked to and yet I know that you are good. I choose to worship you and I choose to trust you. I'm going to have overflowing joy because I'm going to obey you. I'm going to pour out the answers that you give to love other people. So to conclude, in this place of trust, the bold faith sits on a foundation of quiet trust in this place of trust, in this place of becoming a grain of wheat that dies, being willing to die, we discover that in that place, God will not be limited by our imagination. God will not be limited by the greatest thoughts that we can have about what he can do in us and through us. God won't be limited by our asking, our greatest prayers. In this place of, I trust you, God. In this place of, I'm becoming a grain of wheat that dies. I'm, my satisfaction is in you. We find that his plans are almost always more wonderful. They are more spacious. They, they are bigger than anything that we could ask for. And I think that's what God is calling us into, that place of quiet trust. That place of quiet surrender that place of intimacy with him, where we hear his heartbeat, that we just know what he wants to do increasingly in the different situations in our lives and the situations around us, that we're knowing what to ask for with boldness and courage and confidence. And it comes from that place of, I yield to you, I surrender to you, I trust you, I want to be satisfied with you, with all of my heart. I want to be a hedonist after your joy, after the joy and the pleasure that's found in you. So Ian was praying this morning, as the deer pants for the streams of water, my soul yearns for you. That's the foundation of this. I yearn for you, and I yearn for you having your full reward in the whole earth. That's how we co-labour with God. That's how we know what's on the heart of God. We say, I want you to be glorified. I want you to get your full reward. I'm going to give myself fully to this. This is what Jesus is doing in us right now. We start off the meeting with a declaration. He wants to do this in us more than we even want him to do it. This is what he is doing. And our only responsibility is to position ourselves to receive from him. 
to receive from him. So I'm just going to invite us to stand. Let's close with some time just to receive from him.